you have your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 17, as I make reference to one of the pages uh, that was beside your notes, um, make sure you have this uh, Sunday night also, uh, and actually the following service, um, I have a map here of where Absalom is coming in from the south, running his dad off from Jerusalem. Remember, his dad is in Jerusalem. That's where the capital is, uh, where the palace is. And uh, the line going up is David running. Um, and then uh, and then Absalom is following him. So we're going to be talking about this map over the next two or three uh, services to the forest of Ephraim. And that is an amazing story when we get to the forest of Ephraim. Uh, <clears throat> and then on the back is the timeline of David's life. And so you can kind of keep this in your uh, in your pictures help me if you haven't noticed that that's why I have to do powerpoints and color pages and all that stuff I think but um so we're right here at Absalom's rebellion and David's about 61 years old I'm going to go ahead and tell you we we only have uh through first kings chapter one um so we'll complete all the second Samuel just a few chapters left I think what five or something like that um However, you're going to see that there's going to be more information the last nine or ten years of David's life than there was, uh, seems like, the, 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 the 40 that he was in office, all right? And so, but you're getting ready to get down to a lot of nitty-gritty stuff. You're going to see David's deathbed, uh, things that he says. And, uh, and by the way, David messes up big again, all right? He messes up big again. And so... Um, uh, somebody said to me, uh, recently, they said, this has kind of changed my outlook on David. And I said, kind of reminds of us, kind of reminds us of us, doesn't it? I said of how, uh, we fail and get back up. Right. And so, um, but there's that, make sure you bring, uh, this map back with you, uh, the next couple, three times. Some of you, uh, have got a notebook or something like that, that you've been keeping it in. And so just a reminder, I don't want to talk about last, uh, Sundays much, but, uh, if you remember, Absalom came into the kingdom, um, and, uh, Ahithophel, uh, gave the advice to rape, uh, the concubines, the 10 concubines. What a terrible story that was. Now, the reason I bring that back up is because that is going to play a huge pivotal role in the next chapter, not with David, but some of the women in this story. And I'm going to explain that not only the women, but also some of the men. And you're going to see how some of these women are going to respond to Absalom and, and how they're going to respond to David. And so David has ran and he is sitting here right now. If you look at this right at Gilgal. He's getting ready to cross over the Jordan River, all right? So you're going to try to see this timeline. And this is important because he, he, he didn't quite run far. You know what I mean? And by the way, if you want a kind of a, a understanding of how far that is, uh, Mahanam is up at the top there near the forest of Ephraim. That is 50 miles from Jerusalem. All right, so you're probably looking, David's only about 10 miles out of Jerusalem right now. He's not that far and getting ready to cross over Jordan River, which is which is not an easy feat in itself, okay? And so we're now at 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. We're only going to do 14 verses tonight and 14 uh, on Sunday. Furthermore, Ahithophel said to Absalom, please let me choose 12,000 men and let me set out 
and pursue David tonight. And so Ahithophel is getting ready to try to crush David. He's already gave the information to take the concubines and, and take them. And he said, he said, let me do this, okay? And so here he's trying to counsel David in what should happen. And he knows that David is weak. He knows the people are weak. And he says, if we jump on them now, then they're done. Now look, how many people are, is he taking? 12,000 people. You know what? I, I think about some of the teachers that, that they, it's hard to round up 20 kids sometime. And here's 12,000 people that are marching against David. Now, let me tell you why I think he chose 12,000. Number one, I have no idea how many people David have with David has with them. We're going to have one passage that's going to give us about this much information. But the reason I think he said 12,000, because I think it more than doubles what David has. And he knows that if he goes in with 12,000 people, he's going to crush them. Okay. And so that's where we're at. He said, let me choose 12,000 and let me pursue David next week, the week after tonight. He said, I want to come after him tonight. And so he wants to entirely crush David. Now, here's the reason. Remember, if Ahithophel, if this plan fails, Ahithophel is going to lose his life. He already knows that David's going to come kill him. And so if anything falters, and so Ahithophel's already given all this advice, go sleep with the concubines, you know, run David out. All these things, he's turned his back on David, and so he's given all this information to Absalom, and he knows that if they don't crush him tonight when David is the weakest, then there's a chance that David may restore himself and come after them. Verse 2, and I will attack him when he is weary, when he is exhausted, and startle him so that all the people who are with him will flee. Then I will strike and will kill the king when he is alone. Now, all this information is a little weird to me, but I understand the first part. You know, he says, I'm going to do it when there is no warning. Now, by the way, I think Ahithophel is a coward. You know, and what the way he's treating David. But remember, why is Ahithophel so mad? That was Bathsheba's what? Grandfather. This is how much bitter he has held against David since that day. And he's been waiting on his time to crush David. That's the whole reason also, uh, one of the reasons that, you know, he had him sleep with the concubines because of what David did to his granddaughter. And so this attack is going to come with no warning and he's going to, and he's going to pounce on David. And then he says, all the people will flee. Recently, I heard this statement and I was like, I haven't heard this statement in years. So when I got here, I thought I'm going to put this in the notes. The old statement, cut off the head of the snake and the body will die, right? Cut off the, the head of the snake and the body will die. So what Ahithophel's thinking, if I kill David, I cut off the head of the snake, what's going to happen to the body? Then they're all going to surrender. In this case, he said they're all going to run for their lives and they're not going to have anybody to, to support. And he says, I am going to strike the king. Now, he really believes this. And, and mentally, can I tell you, I think Ahithophel's going a little bit mad. I'm going to be honest with you. His thinking is a little crazy. I think the bitterness and the anxiety, he knows that this is do or die. And if this doesn't happen and this doesn't work, his life is over. And so he's got this all this big plan and he says, I will strike the king. Now, here's the problem. David has 30. We know of 30 men that are always around him that have never let him down that are surrounding him. He thinks he's going to walk right in there and kill this king. All right. 
And that's not going to happen. That's why I'm saying his mental thinking is not right. I'm going to sneak in there, David. Man, David is surrounded by people. By the way, wasn't Saul surrounded by people? 3,000 at one time, right? And David and his man was able to sneak in there. But you know what the difference is? God is not going to allow anybody to get to David. He's going to use all these men around him and women. And somebody is going to be alerted. Verse 3. And then he says, and I will bring all the people back to you. Now, this is where I think he's going crazy. The, the return of everyone depends on the man whom you are seeking. Then all the people will be at what? Peace. He says, I'm going to bring all these people back to you. Now, how many that is? Let's say, let's just, let's call it 6,000. Okay. Let's just say David has 6,000 people with him. Women, children, everything. He says, I am going to march all of these people back. And it's all a dream. You know why these 6,000 people are with David to begin with? Because they don't want Absalom. They don't like Absalom. And the further we go into this story, and even Sunday night, you're going to find out the people that stayed in Jerusalem don't like Absalom either. It's kind of like other, it's kind of like uh, presidents or, 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 or uh, leaders that have been placed in the office. It's like one of those things where you started to like them or you voted for them, then all of a sudden they got in the office and you're like, oh Lord, what did I do? And so I think honestly, this is what's happened with Absalom. And he says, the return of everyone depends on this. He says, the whole kingdom's going to be at risk if we don't kill the snake and we'll bring the body back. But then he says this, that all of Israel will then be at peace. Let me ask you this. Is all of Israel ever going to be at peace during this day and age? No. When will they be at peace? During the millennial reign of Christ. We're going to get to that. That's going to be our final thing we're going to talk about Sunday morning. After the, the bold judgments, the millennial reign of Christ will start. That will be the start of peace, right? And even then, there's going to be people that turns their back on Christ at that point. You know, and they're going to they're going to try to rebel against Christ. But that's going to be the, the initial piece. He says, we're all going to live in one great big unity. We're going to live happy together. There are going to be people that don't like Absalom, don't like situation. People cannot live at peace. All right. You can sign all the peace treaties in the world. There's not going to be peace at this time. We looked at the, the white horse, the Antichrist rides in a white horse, right? During the first judgments. He's what? Peace, peace, peace. Oh, everybody's excited about peace. It was nothing but a false peace. And he says, everybody's going to be at peace. And we know that that's not going to be true. Verse four, and the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So why did this whole plan please Absalom? Number one, I believe because uh, even though it was a wrong plan, it was what he wanted to hear, how everybody would come and be back on Absalom's side. You know what it was? It builds his confidence. Remember, Absalom had the long flowing hair. He was beautiful to look at. You know, the girls whistled as he walked by, all those things. So now the last thing is that he is putting his faith in Ahithophel, thinking it was the counsel of the Lord, like God has given this counsel. And by the way, not only did Absalom appreciate this counsel, then all the elders said, oh, the wise leader said, this is good counsel. We appreciate this. Now, here's something pretty amazing. Go to verse five. The first word in your Bibles is what? Nevertheless. Now, this is amazing. Nevertheless. Now, you remember last Sunday night when I told you the king's heart is in uh, the uh, the. Uh, the king's heart is in God's hands and he turns it whichever way he wants. 
But this is what I don't understand, so you come up with your own conclusion. Ahithophel gave all this great advice. All the elders agreed. Generally, it's like, here, here, let's go. Let's go do this. But the Bible says, nevertheless. You know what God did? He took Absalom's heart and he turned it. And this is what he said. Absalom looks at Hushai. Remember, this is the false spy, the friend of David, and said, what do you got to say? What do you got to say? Now, he just heard advice that he really liked and all the elders agreed. They should have got the 12,000 men and pounced on David. And Absalom said, but what do you think, Hushai? Can you imagine a Hithophel's face? What do you mean, what does Hushai think? What, what's wrong with my counsel? And so, he says, let me, let me ask you. Everybody agrees. Let me ask you, Hushai, what do you got to say? I want some more advice. Now, there's nothing wrong with counsel. By the way, the Bible says with counsel, make war, right? But I don't know why he, he turned from this advice other than God turned his heart. Let me tell you how big this is. Verse 6, when Hushai had come to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has proposed this plan. Should we carry it out? If not, say so yourself. Then he told him the plan. Now, tell me the Lord ain't in this. And so he comes to, he comes Hushai it said, you know, the timing of the Lord is perfect. And by the way, we've been put in a certain place for a certain time and season in our life. Somebody, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, they said, act as this way. Every time you walk into the room, act as if the Lord had put you there. Every time you walk into a room, act as if the Lord put you there. And I want to tell you, Hushai was put here by God. Now you say, no, I remember he was going to follow David and David said, turn around. You're going to be more of a help to me back here. Hushai is in the place he's supposed to be. Look, you're in the spot you're supposed to be for God to use you. Sunday night is such an amazing passage because we think about the heroes of the faith and all these people who did these great things. And we're going to talk about some people Sunday night that you've never heard of before. And you think, my goodness, this was huge what they did. And they're just a blip on the radar. And this is what he asked him. He said, should we carry out this plan? This is the beginning of the end for Absalom. When Absalom said, Hushai, what do you think? Should we take 12,000 people and pounce on my dad? What do you think, Hushai? This is it. This is the beginning of the end where David had prayed, please God, protect the counsel that is given. This is gonna be the answer of prayer. This comes out of Absalom's mouth. He is signing his own death warrant when he says that statement. He said, say so. But remember who he's asking. He's asking the advice of David's friend. He don't know it's David's friend, but that's who he's asking. Verse 7. So Hushai said to Absalom, this time the advice that Ahithophel was given, it's not good. And so he says, by the way, what he's saying is this is not from God. So you can imagine now Absalom's like, what do you mean this is not from God? All the elders are listening. What do you mean this is not from God? This is not good. And so just this much doubt is now placed in Absalom's mind. The elders are listening. Now it's this much doubt is placed. Have you ever been so sure of something? You thought this is what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden somebody come along and say one thing and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
Moms and dads are real good at that, aren't they? You're all pumped up about something. I'm going to go buy this. I'm going to go get this. And they'll go, just remember. Yeah, maybe I should. And he says, this advice is not good. So the question I have is, was the advice actually good? This was my question as I go through this. Was it good advice? I don't think it was bad advice. In fact, it is possible if God allowed it, that that would have been enough to overthrow David and kill David. So I don't think it was bad advice. But what is Hushai trying to do? Now, if you, if you understand this part, then you'll understand the rest of this conversation. Hushai has to have time to warn David that Absalom's coming after him. That's what he's trying to do. So from here on out, when Hushai speaks, he's thinking, how can I give David more time? How can I give David more time? Because he's getting ready to cross over Jordan River with 6,000 people, and he's trying to do it in one night. Sometimes we can't get our kids to the car in 30 minutes, right? Out the door. Our wives are always the first ones, by the way, isn't that right? But we can't get our kids to the car in 30 minutes, and he's trying to get 6,000 people across the Jordan River. And Hushai knows this, and he says, I am trying to give him time. So all the advice Hushai is trying to do now is delay. All right, so let's, let's look at it. Then Hushai said, you yourself know your father and his men that they are warriors, they are fierce, they're like a bear deprived of her cubs in the field, and your father is an expert in warfare, and he will not spend the night with the people. Now, he's starting to put this, this uh, doubt in his mind. Hey, don't you know who your daddy is? Let me tell you some stories. Do you remember when he was 13 years old, and he took that sling, and he took those five stones, and he put that first stone in there, and he sunk it into that that Goliath's head. Do you remember when he went out and fought the Philistines and he would kill hundreds at a time? Don't you remember the song, Saul slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands? Don't you remember when he, and he just keeps telling stories. And all of a sudden, Absalom starts going, that's my dad. That's my dad. Man, I've sat here and heard stories from men after men after men. And all of a sudden, all these stories are coming back to Absalom. You know what the difference is? As I laugh as I read this. He's not talking about a 13-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 40-year-old. He's talking about a 60-year-old man, 61-year-old man who's nine years from dying. That's who he's talking about. Not that David is not still a warrior at heart, but you know as well as I do. Your body changes, doesn't it? And what he used to be able to do. You know what I thought? I wonder how bad David hurt every day of his life. I wonder how many cuts and how many times he'd been stabbed in battle, all the things that he had done. And now, and which, by the way, I think it affected why he stayed in the palace so much right before Absalom came. 61 years old, but, but here Hushai is painting this picture of this 20-year-old man this strong, this fierce, that can fight with the best of them. And this is the description. He said, hey, don't you remember his men? This men been with him since the beginning of the wilderness. He said, they're like a bear. And he says, like you got in between their cub. 
I've never, I never want to. I've seen video of when somebody has separated a cub from their mama. I've seen it when you've separated a kid and her mama in real life. That mom turns into a, turns into a beast. And he said, this is how these men are. He said, if you try to get David, he said, you're going to get the bear. And then he says, and by the way, do you think he's going to really spend a night with his people? Do you not think he's hot hit up in some cave and he's overlooking these people? Don't you know that he's going to think that you're going to come to that group of people? He ain't sleeping with those people. He's too smart for this. So he starts painting this picture. And he starts placing this little seeds of doubt. Verse 9. Behold, he has now hidden himself in one of the ravines or in another place. And it will be that when he falls on them at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, there has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. I want to say this, that I had to read this verse about 10 times. And it took me a while to understand this part of the story. I don't know if you understood it as soon as you read it, but I did not. So what he's saying is this. He was like, look, number one, David is hiding himself in one of these ravines. He said, I want you to remember he spent 20 years in the wilderness. This man is an expert at hiding himself in these ravines. He ran for Saul for 20 years. He is no stranger to a ravine. He's no stranger to a cave. That's the first thing he's saying. He says, when he falls on them at first attack, meaning this, he, he, he's, he's saying this, that if there is an attack and any of your men fall, then word's going to get back that all of Israel has fallen, that there's been a slaughter. That's what he's trying to say. He's like, just, just know this. If any of your men die in battle and word gets back that they've died, then the whole Israel is going to think Absalom's lost, David's still king. That's what he's saying. He's painting all this doubt in his mind. By the way, did that happen in Vietnam? You better believe it did. And I don't know if I told you the story, but in and I'm going to refer to this teacher on Sunday morning, but I learned so much from this man. But he showed a video where the same plane was blown up in Vietnam over and over and over again. We were actually win winning that conflict. And you know who... who sponsored that commercial it came back that it was communist communists that actually paid for that commercial and they played the same commercial over and over of this plane being blown up so after a while what happened was people started believing we're losing a war we're losing a war we're losing a war and this is what Hushai is saying. He said, if you come on and you attack and any of your people die, he said, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get back that you're losing and people are going to start fleeing. People are not going to support you anymore, Absalom. And that there had been this slaughter. He's trying to convince them. This initial attack is very important. If Israel's lost anything, it's going to get back that you've lost them all. I mean, he's placing all this in there and Absalom's going, yeah, 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 that, that's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Then they'll all come back and think that they can beat me. Verse 10. And even the one who is valid, whose heart is the heart of a lion, will completely despair for all of Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and those who are with him are valid men also. He says, even those men who are fighting with you, he says, if they find out that y'all are losing, he says, they are going to lose strength and they're going to lose hope. 
And he says, they're going to be in despair. They're going to think, you know what? I'm running. I'm getting away. Why? Because your father, don't forget, is a mighty, mighty man. And not only is he a mighty man, he said his warriors are mighty men and they will surely give their life for David. And here's what I think, my personal opinion. I think that he's saying, Absalom, will your men give your, their lives for you? How, how close are you with your men? You see, John chapter 10 lays out the difference between an acquaintance and a friend, doesn't it? A friend is somebody who's going to give their life for you, okay? It's going to be somebody who's going to tell you when you're wrong and not hold anything. David had friends. They had showed that over and over again. I don't think Absalom had the friends. I don't think, I don't think his people would have laid down their life like David's men were. And so he's placing all of this doubt. He's trying to drive this point home and put all this doubt in Absalom's mind. Verse 11. But I advise that all of Israel, now here's what he's saying, be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is in the sea in abundance and all that you, pers that you personally go into battle. He says, now you want to know my advice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me your advice. What is it? I really, I'm, I'm getting nervous here. Ahithophel, I don't think that was good advice. Tell me what your advice is. I don't want them to run away. What's your advice? He's got him hook, line, and sinker. He was like, all right, here's my advice. Ready? He said, I think all of Israel ought to be gathered. Now, he's not talking about 12,000 anymore. He's talking about a lot more. Now, how long would it take to gather all the fighting men of Israel? How long? A while. They weren't minute men. They weren't ready at the drop of the hat. But what's amazing to me, that 12,000 of them were ready, okay? And maybe Ahithophel had already gathered them together, but he's talking about every man in Israel from Dan to Beersheba, he lays it out, every man get out the word that they're going to battle. Now we're talking thousands upon thousands of people are coming to gather for battle. And then you got to think, well, how did they get the word out? They had a rider. And a rider went this way, 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 and they were going through the towns. You know? Get your gear. Come on, you know? Everybody. How long would that take to gather thousands and thousands of men a long time. What's Hushai doing? He's giving David time to get across the river. And so that's what he needs right now. He needs time. And he says, by the way, Absalom, you need to go into battle too. Now, why is he saying that he needs to go into battle? Because this is the truth. He says, if he goes into battle, he felt like he would be killed and all this nonsense would be over. Absalom wants, I mean, Hushai wants Absalom to be killed, okay? Now, as you look into further in this chapter, David does not want his son to be killed. Who, who does, right? And he said, this is what he's saying, though. It's not... You sit up on the hill and watch your men go into battle. He's saying, Absalom, carry the flag. Lead your men into battle because you the man. 
you the man. Absalom saying, I am the man. That's exactly what I, I am, the man. What is he doing? He already has enough pride. He already has enough ego. What's Hushai doing? He was like, you better believe you're the man. What is he doing? He's building up what he already has. He's prideful. You know those people that are already prideful? It don't take much to get them going. He was like, I'm going into battle. I'm leading my people. Give me that flag. I'm leading them. I don't even need a sword. You know, this is where he's at right now. Verse 12, then we will come to him in one of the places where he can be found and we will fall on him just as the dew falls on the ground and of him and of all the men who are with him, not even one of them will be left. And so now he's saying, oh, we're going to fall on David. We're going to come on these soldiers and we're going to overwhelm them because we have all these soldiers. And he said, like the dew falls on the ground. This is interesting. He says, the victory will be swift and it will be complete but we will surround them like when the dew falls on the ground. You've been camping at night and all of a sudden the dew wasn't there and then it was, right? And he's like, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to fall on him so swift. We're going to surround him so fast. His head is going to spin and then it's going to come off because we're going we're to kill him. And so Absalom's, he's all about this. Absolutely, that's exactly right. We're going to have all the men. And he says, not even one's going to be left. Now, why did he say this? Now, what's the difference between Ahithophel? Ahithophel said this, I'm going to gather all these people that were against you and we're going to bring them back and we're going to sing Kumbaya around the fire and they're just going to love on you, Absalom, and you're going to love on them and they're going to be all at peace. Hushai said, we're going to kill them all. We're going to kill them all. Now, why did he say that? Because Absalom, trust me, these people still don't like you. And they're going to come back and try to kill you. I say we kill them all. Absalom's, yeah, 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 that's right. I think, we, I, I don't, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I hit the fell didn't say that, but I, I think I agree with you. Now, verse 13. And if he withdraws into the city, them of all of Israel shall bring ropes to that city. We're going to drag it into the valley until not even a pebble is found in there. Now, this is a very important part because if an enemy is running, what he'll try to do is try to run into the nearest city that has walls and they'll try to, they'll hide themselves in there, okay? And by the way, if the people liked you, then they would try to protect you, okay? And so now remember this part of the story because in just a couple chapters, we're getting ready to find out what this one woman is getting ready to do uh, when somebody else tries to hide in the city. But this is what he says. If he runs to the city, all right, he's planning all this out. Now, this is what we're going to do if he runs. And most likely, you know, David, he's a mighty man, but if we come on him like this, he has no other choice but to run. And he says, if he runs into some type of city and anybody tries to protect him in this city, this is what we're going to do. I want this man, this man, and this man. All of y'all bring ropes with you, okay? And what we're going to do, we're going to bring all of our mighty horses and we're going to tie, we're going to throw the ropes, we're going to lasso the ropes around the tops of these walls and we're going to tie them to the horses and we're going to pull these city walls down and there's not even going to be a pebble left of that city wall. He said, we're going to destroy them all. Absalom's going, yeah, that's exactly right. Let's kill them all. Man, he's just really building this up. He said, we're not going to let anybody try to protect David. We're not going to give anybody a chance. You know, he's, he's building up. This is totally opposite of Ahithophel's advice. Because remember, Ahithophel wanted one thing. He wanted David dead so he didn't have to pay the consequences. That's all he wanted. Hushai, he's getting ready to kill the whole, whole world. 
Verse 14, by the way, just in, just in action, I mean, just in thought, not in real. Verse 14, then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai is better than the advice of Ahithophel, for the Lord had ordained to foil the good advice of Ahithophel in order the Lord to bring disaster on Absalom. And now look how they were for his advice and God turned the hearts and it said they all loved his advice. The Bible says, and it is better. The Lord ordained it. The Lord planned it out this way. Hushai was just a mouthpiece. Did, okay, let me ask you this. I'll finish with this. Did Hushai change the mind of these people? No. Did Hushai win this? No, God did. It's the same way when it comes to salvation. You and I don't bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're simply just a mouthpiece. It is the Holy Spirit's job to do this. Just like God is the one who turned Absalom's heart and Israel's heart to listen to him. And by the way, this was a prayer of David. Please, God, let Ahithophel's advice and counsel be spoiled, be foolish, be turned around. And God answered David's prayer. You know what this shows me? That, that God and David had a right relationship and he was forgiven, even though he was paying for the consequences of his sin. But now we see Hushai's advice is going to be followed. Wait until Sunday night and you're going to see an incredible part of this story. And I want to tell you, as uh, the old farmer said, it gets gooder and gooder from here. It really does. It, it's, uh, it's really exciting what takes place from here on out. These last nine years are, are, are amazing.